Today is Friday, October 1st, 2021, and here are three things you need to know to be smart today. Ticking time bomb, food shortages, the looming global supply chain crisis, and inflation. It's all on the horizon. The signs are there. It's the worst it's been since the 1970s. Guys, you got to be prepared. There are some dark days ahead economically. Be smart. We're going to get into all of the data and what we see right now and what the future may look like for America and for our economy. Why are we experiencing such crises? Well, because certain people in power refuse to let the economy get back to normal. Biden is mandating the jab for businesses and now backing it up. That's right, backing it up with massive penalties inside of the infrastructure bill and reconciliation bills. Massive penalties that will crush small businesses. Why mandate the jab? Well, Harvard Business, which mandates the jab, now has to move to online classes despite 95% vaccination rates. Not good. Also not good, the hero Marine who saved babies in Afghanistan. You'll remember he pulled a baby up over the barbed wire. This Marine is now under investigation for the crime of speaking at a Trump rally. Well, in your good news today... Democrats swing at Ron DeSantis and end up making his best ad ever. My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. I want to start off this episode by saying I did not study economics in college. I didn't even study politics. A lot of poli-sci majors out there. I didn't do that. I went to the school of hard knocks. I worked essentially every position you can work inside of a campaign, inside of political media and commentary. That's how I got my degree. The school of political hard knocks growing up in Iowa made that very easy. When it came to school, I studied chemistry. I studied physics. I studied the sciences. I came from a German family, and that is what they wanted. You had to learn a skill. My father was an engineer, and you should go and learn a skill in college. And so that's the degree that I graduated with from the University of Iowa. The first rules of Newtonian physics, the first rules of all science-based studies uh, is that you cannot destroy matter. You cannot destroy energy. It simply gets transferred through our universe. It's what leads to Newtonian physics rules of equal and opposite reactions. There is nothing that happens in a vacuum. When you do something catastrophic, it has a ripple effect through the universe. Indeed, Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So when you take a sledgehammer and you smash an economy that is crushing, an economy that is red hot, that is what the Trump economy was. It was a red hot global driver of extreme prosperity. No one had ever seen it before. Real wages for the first time in my lifetime were increasing. That means wages were increasing outside of inflation, real wages, real unemployment, real gaps between white and black in unemployment down to the lowest it has ever been. Everyone was working. The lowest female unemployment in a generation, the lowest black unemployment, Hispanic unemployment, white unemployment. Guys, it was a golden era. The Trump years in... 2018, 2019 were golden eras and then roaring into the 2020s, the roaring 2020s. But just like the last roaring 2020s, 
idiotic decisions were made, and we took an ice-cold sledgehammer, and we smashed our roaring economy right in the face with COVID lockdowns, with supply chain lockdowns, with travel restrictions, limiting our commerce, limiting our food supplies, limiting our global intricate ports that capture all of the products that we use every single day. We put a stop to all of it, and it all came to a grinding, catastrophic halt. And those feelings were felt almost instantly. You remember you might have been in in a grocery store and seen an empty shelf for the first time in your life. I went to a grocery store in Washington, D.C., and all the bread was gone. Where was all the bread? The bread was gone. The shipment wasn't in. The truck drivers couldn't get there. The bread factories couldn't work or they shut down. I don't know the reason for the bread being gone in my grocery store, but you started to see scarcity. Scarcity is a principle that drives all economics around the globe. It is why things are priced the way that they are. It depends on the value and the amount of a specific product, and that is the price of that product. It it gets passed on to you. Scarcity is the driving principle behind all economics. And in a time of complete global shutdown, everything becomes scarce. Fuel, cars, the very food that you eat, the houses that you live in, the cost of lumber, it all becomes scarce. When you slam your economy and in the face and you crush it, you stop a train with a brick, a boulder, in the middle of the track and the train derails and it bursts into flames. Well, that is your derailing. That is your action. Your reaction is going to be all the way down the track, all of those cars getting derailed and taking a long time to get back up and going. And that is what we're seeing right now economically in this country. I read to you from the Daily Mail. International shipping workers warn of global transport system collapse unless pandemic restrictions on trade and movement are quickly lifted. A coalition of union that repre- a coalition of unions that represent shipping workers around the world has warned of an imminent global transport systems collapse due to lingering impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. In an open letter, the workers groups warned that fragmented and inconsistent pandemic restrictions around the world have thrown global shipping into chaos. The warning comes as supply chain backlogs leave scores of cargo ships idling outside U.S. ports, exacerbating shortages caused by a national truck driver shortage that threatens to derail Christmas shopping seasons. Do you think that the Princess Unicorn doll, let's call it the Princess Unicorn doll, or let's call it Turbo Man, right? Turbo Man, the action figure that Arnold Schwarzenegger chased after in the movie Jingle All the Way in the 90s. Do you guys remember that movie? I went and saw it as a kid. It's a great movie, 1996. Arnold Schwarzenegger tries to get the cheap piece of plastic toy, very sought after doll for his son. He had to go get it. He had to become the hero dad and get the toy. Well, the toy was from China or Taiwan or one of those places and Arnold Schwarzenegger had to run it down. It was scarcity. People were paying thousands of dollars. People were fighting in the street. He fights Simbad. Arnold Schwarzenegger dresses up as a Turbo Man in one scene in a parade. 
all of the antics and the brouhaha happens because of scarcity, because Arnold Schwarzenegger could not get the toy that he wanted, and American culture had told his son that he had to have it. It was a must-have for Christmas. That's going to be happening to a lot of kids this Christmas because of the shutdown of the global supply chain and because of what these workers are telling the Daily Mail, you are not going to be able to get the cheap plastic neon crap that a lot of people want and a lot of kids are sold in a lot of marketing campaigns in their stores this season. That is what we are witnessing. That is what the union workers say. We are witnessing an unprecedented disruptions in global delays and shortages on essential goods, including electronics, food, fuel, medical supplies, the shipping workers warned. The Turbo Man, the Princess Unicorn Doll. Do you think that stuff's made in America? Of course it's not made in America. Do you think the little microchips that go into them that make them talk and make their eyes blink and make their arms move and make their legs go up and down... Do you think that that stuff's American? Of course not. We gave up our ability to create those types of products years ago, decades ago, well before my lifetime. Is there any stable sound electronic that's actually made in America? They have to make their margins on them, and so no, they have to go abroad. These companies that make electronics have to go and pay the Chinese. Apple doesn't make iPhones or iPads or iMacs in America. They make them in China. The amount of labor is immense, and the amount of resources that you need to actually put the phone together are all sitting there in China, and it's easy to go get them because of a command economy and because, essentially, of the slave labor market inside of China and the cheap labor market inside of China, and so there you have it. That gets then shipped to America and that shipping lane has to remain open. That economy has to remain open. You must be able to get the iPhone from the Chinese Uyghur factory into the palms of the kid in Missouri who wants to have it for Christmas, who wants to have it for the start of the school year. You must have shipping lanes open. You must be able to have workers on the ports and the docks to unload those iPhones, and you have to be able to ship them to the children. It's so important... Because right now you have truck driver shortages, you have dock worker shortages, you have shipping shortages, and so that iPhone is not going to get from China to here. It's not going to get here easily, that is for sure, and it's going to spell doom for a marketplace because if Apple can't get their product, if you can't get a Turbo Man, if you can't get a Unicorn Princess to your kid on Christmas, well then you are going to not be spending money on those products and that company is going to suffer, your kids are going to suffer, Everyone's going to suffer, and all because we shut down our economy. We shut down the most red-hot, flaming, roaring economy known to man, perhaps the best economy ever in human history. We hit it in the face with a COVID sledgehammer. We didn't have to shut down. That is what we did. We followed the path of communist China, and we locked our nation down. So now, what are the results of that? The echo is going to reverberate throughout the entire economy, and you're going to have the fallout. There is nothing that happens in a vacuum. There is always an equal and opposite reaction, and that reaction right now is brutal. The impact of nearly two years' worth of strain, partially placed upon maritime and road transport workers, but also impacting air crews, is now being seen, the group said. Their continued mistreatment is adding pressure on an already crumbling global supply chain. 
at the peak of the crew change crisis is 400,000 seafarers who were unable to leave their ships with some seafarers working as long as 18 months over their initial contract letters, they said. Flights have been restricted and aviation workers have faced inconsistency of border travel restrictions and vaccine requirements to do their jobs. You've all seen the photos of what Long Beach Harbor looks like right now, what the harbors outside of major American harbors look like. It is chaotic. It is a sea of shipping containers as far as the eye can see. Quite literally, shipping containers stacked on top of each other cannot get into the harbors, cannot get into the ports because it is so backlogged. These men are stuck on these ships. I mean, imagine being one of these crew members. They're stuck on these ships. And for every day they spend just sitting in the harbor is another day that their ship can't go do what it's supposed to do, which is to ferry goods and carry goods to and from ports around the world. One of the reasons for food shortages in our country is a lack of truck drivers. This article from KWCH, local news station. This is truly what is going to lead to the supply chain shortage here in this country. Doesn't matter how many ships cross the ocean. Doesn't matter how much containers you get stacked high as a skyscraper inside of these ports, and they are. These ports are enormous. It doesn't matter how many, how many goods sit inside of hubs like Long Beach and in Manhattan and New Jersey. If those goods cannot get to the middle of the country, if those goods cannot travel to Indianapolis, Indiana, and Cedar Rapids, Iowa, well, then you have shortages. It, it does no one any good to just sit there and have 20 million iPhones sitting in Long Beach Harbor. If there's not trucks to take them, from the shipping containers throughout the country, you're done for. There's where your scarcity comes from. And these truck drivers explain it. Uh, and it's really shocking to hear. Listen to these truck drivers. Almost 70 cargo ships and counting from Long Beach to Laguna. It's getting worse every day. I've been trucking 31 years. Or something. You know, yeah, 31 years. Have you ever seen anything like this? No, this is a phenomenon, for real. This is this is bad. Few are more frustrated about the backlog at the Port of Los Angeles and Long Beach than truck drivers caught in the chaos. So as explained there in the clip, a shortage of truck drivers is a part of why goods are having difficulty getting where they need to go. Many industries are struggling to keep and retain workers right now, including the truck driver industry, a crucial part of the American economy. In 30 states, the number one job for a working American male who is not college educated, which is an enormous portion of the population, I will probably advise my children to not be college educated. My kids will have to make a very hefty argument, a very well thought out argument as to why they need a college education, the way that college is going right now. My kids are one, unborn, uh, and then uh, second one, 14 months. So they have a, ta- a ways to think about it, right? You have, uh, you know, you have about 18 years to, to figure out your argument. But you're going to have to give me an argument as to why this college degree is necessary for you to be competitive in a marketplace. I started the show by saying I studied science and and chemistry. And while I enjoyed those uh, disciplines, and and while some of it has had some effect on my life and certainly has been uh, exciting to experiment, the value of experimentation and failure is really helpful on social media and in podcasting and in all manner of creative forms, you know, I don't 
work inside of a chemistry laboratory every day and I don't work inside of a physics laboratory, right? I, I don't work in a- applicable physics uh, in any regard. And so you're going to have to explain to me why you need a college education. Many people around the country are not college educated. Tens of millions, hundreds of millions in America are not college educated. Of those hundreds of millions, the truck driver class is the number one class of professional worker in 30 states. So this is just a drastic, enormous industry. And a shortage in this industry is going to cripple our economy. Many industries are struggling struggling to keep and retain workers. Data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows that as of July, the trucking industry is 33,000 jobs short of the workforce from February 2020. So the COVID pandemic and our reactions to it has decimated the truck drivers. Why are they not driving trucks? Well, maybe some of them feel unsafe. I think that's a very small portion. Maybe some others have found other jobs. Maybe some people want to be close to their families. Maybe some people don't want to work as, as, as long of hours. Maybe the demands are too high on them. You just heard that there are dock workers and shipping workers that are out to sea 18 months after their contracts. What if you had kids? What if you had families? 18 months. I have a 14-month-old right now. If you miss 18, if I miss the next 18 months of her life, well, she'll be a different person and I will never get that time back. So 18 months out at sea, why would anyone want that? Same with the truck drivers. If you're going to be out on the road for that length of time and you are overworked and overstressed, well, what kind of a life is that? Maybe that's why they don't want to work or maybe that's just why they are having a labor shortage. Along with the rest of the country, anyone who was unemployed got a free check from the Biden administration. Perfect Keynesian economics, right? Keynesian, neo-Keynesian economics is essentially neoliberal economics. Shoot as much money, shove as much money down the tubes, down the throats of the economy, and that will revive the economy. When in fact, the opposite has been true and has always been true throughout the course of human history. That scarcity is what drives people to desire things, to get back to work, to want money. It is not free checks delivered directly into their bank account. That actually exacerbates your economic problems. And perhaps that's what's happening here. Truck drivers drivers realize that, hey, maybe I'm getting paid less, but I'm still getting paid. Biden's getting me a check every single week, and I don't have to work. So I can just be here and watch my daughter grow up, watch my son grow up. Maybe that's why. A lot of people are experiencing that right now. 10 million open job job openings in this country. 10 million. That is a lot. That's a lot of job openings in the country right now. And it's honestly uh, leading to the greatest labor shortage and labor crisis in America. There aren't people to bring you your food. There aren't people to ship you your food. There aren't people to stock your food on the shelves. All of those things need to happen along with growing your food for you to have food. That's why we're seeing food shortages right now. Some shocking reports here. Casey Davis, a child nutrition director in Elmore County Schools in Indiana, has had to call three different food distributors to figure out which food products they actually have and what they can substitute. She says she sees her district's impromptu food stockpile in the warehouse cannot meet the needs of the children she's supposed to serve. 
She has to go figure out how to feed the children in her elementary school and prep and cook 14,000 meals on a regular basis. How does she do it? She doesn't have the food. This is an elementary school worker in Indiana. Every district in the state is experiencing these supply chain issues, according to an Alabama State Department of Education official. So far, no school has had to close because of an inability to serve meals, but the time spent finding new ways to serve more kids with fewer resources is taking a toll on child nutrition programs across the country. This district isn't alone. This is speaking about the state of Alabama. Uh, Alabama dairy, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, and meat have been hard to come by in the state. Decatur City Schools, on August 28th, said that su- supply chain issues left the school district without enough food in the coming week, forcing staff to work an 18-hour day to drive up to Birmingham and get products. The staff are now having to do the jobs of the truckers because we have no more truckers. The top issues with the food supply is that there are fewer truck drivers to deliver the food and child nutrition workers to staff cafeterias and schools and kitchens. There you go. There's your breakdown. There it is. Alabama, Indiana, schools can't provide food for children. Schools have no way to feed the kids that are sitting in the schools. Pretty important part of the day, making sure that children have food to eat. The New York Post, an L.A. port backup grows to a record 62 ships as supply chain crunch worsens. 62 cargo ships, some of them carrying products that will be needed at these schools, presumably. Waiting at a dock and ports in Los Angeles and Long Beach are stuck, floating off the coastline amid a serious supply chain crunch. The problems reflect a combination of growing cargo volumes, a labor shortage, and COVID-related safety measures that slow the handling of each ship. About one-third of all imports in the U.S. pass through these ports each year. The supply chain problem is leading stores like Costco to limit purchases of toilet paper and cleaning supplies, even force Nike to lower its sales expectations this year and reporting a rare shortfall of sales. This is incredible. Not because people don't want to buy Nikes. I will never wear a Nike shoe, by the way. Uh, Again, I wear Adidas exclusively. Um... They don't, by the way, I'm not sponsored by Adidas. They, it's just, I'm not going to fund Colin Kaepernick. Speaking of someone who just sits on his ass and doesn't do anything or contribute anything in society, Colin Kaepernick, uh, a terrible quarterback, a known loser, and now a bum who just sits around and collects a fat paycheck from Nike. So when you're wearing a Nike product, you are paying Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Although I I will say I did want a pair of those Betsy Ross shoes. Those things looked amazing. Why are schools in Alabama and Indiana unable to feed children? Because of this. Because there are not people to bring them the products that they need. Costco is limiting the purchasing of toilet paper and cleaning supplies. The kids want to wear Nikes. They can't get them. Not because they don't want to buy them. Not because there isn't enough money. In fact, the amount of money that is being held by households right now is at a, a, a multi-year high. American households are flush with cash because they've been getting free checks from the government. Because they've been getting cash and money just blown into the system, just shoved into the system. This is called neoliberalism, K-1. 
Keynesian economics. Print as much money is free. Print as much of it as you can. The more money you shove into the system, the richer people will get. It's been tried. It's failed. But Joe Biden doesn't care. Joe Biden just wants to do the cash and spend. It is the way of the modern day liberal. Print as much money as possible. Money is worthless. And when it's all said and done, well, we'll have our Bitcoin and our private islands and our private jets and we'll escape while you guys turn into Venezuela. That is the trajectory of the country. That is the trajectory of the currency. It is the trajectory of the petrol dollar. It is the only thing keeping America sound right now is that our dollar is still worth something. It is a reserve currency around the world. And when that changes, when the dollar becomes too overblown, too printed out, too much of too much of our dollars shoved directly into people's bank accounts for absolutely no reason, well, then you lose your scarcity. You lose your value, and then the entire economy collapses. And we're starting to see the earliest stages of that right now. Busiest U.S. container port complex warns industry in crisis over supply chain disruptions. Fox Business. The Port of Long Beach, reading to you from Fox Business. Executive Director Mario Cordelo noted that there is a confluence of factors as to why a situation has developed into a crisis, explaining that distribution supply chain is very much due to the COVID-19 pandemic. He explained that there has been delays from cargo coming from China. There you go. Pointing out that there has been major ports in China where COVID-19 positive workers are detected and terminals are shut down. Cordeo warned that because of shipping and transportation prices, uh, because of disruptions in shipping and transportation prices have skyrocketed. The higher costs are going to be passed on to the consumer, unfortunately. Cordeo noted that these items across the board are impacted by supply chain issues, including raw materials and durable goods. He noted that the Port of Long Beach is extending operations to 24 hours a day, Monday through Thursday, to help alleviate the backlog of ships waiting to offload their cargo. Cordeo said that the extended gate hours is a stepping stone to extending hours to seven days a week in the near future. There you go. There's your price increases. Why? Scarcity, guys. Equal and opposite reactions. It's all the laws of physics. Economics is really based. Good economics is really based on sound principles of the universe. There is no such thing as an event happening in a vacuum. Every event is going to have a reaction. And that reaction can be good, can be bad. You have to prepare for it. When you shut down your economy, like we did during COVID, when you throw a boulder into the middle of the train tracks and you derail the train and all the train cars hit each other and all the train cars derail all the way down the track, expect this and expect higher prices now to skyrocket. Guys, I don't blame one party or another. It was both Republicans and Democrats who were on board with shutting down the economy and lockdowns during COVID. Every single state locked down. It was idiotic. It was the stupidest, most suicidal economic move that I will ever see in my lifetime. You can't do worse than that. It is truly, it was truly, truly evil. Democrats, of course, saw it as a power move and a power chip. And so they continued their lockdowns. Republicans, to their credit, saw it as a crisis being created in real time that would affect everyone's life and would crater our economy. And they moved to alleviate and reopen as fast as possible. But the damage has already been done. You are starting to see the, you're starting to see major changes 
in economies of red states that reopened quickly. In fact, that's where all economic growth is being driven from, according to the Wall Street Journal. Red states that are reopening are the drivers of all economic growth. The blue states locked down, and they remain locked down to this day. Uh, Just from the Epic Times, from the Epic Times published a few minutes ago, New York restaurateurs' business is down 40 to 60% due to vaccine mandates. That's right. 40 to 60% vaccine mandates. Do you guys ever work in a restaurant? Have you ever worked with your hands? Have you ever served in a restaurant? I sure have. Did all throughout college. That's how I paid my bills. So I paid my rent in college. Rent was like 200 bucks a month. Had to go get some tips. So I worked at a little sushi restaurant and I carried beers and sake bombs to tables for drunk college students and their mothers. And so when I was uh, in the process of doing that, uh, I realized, uh, you know, I got, I got to know the manager of the restaurant and we got to really talk about margins and got to talk about exactly why the waiters and the waitresses were paid like $3 an hour and you're paid like nothing. And you'd bring home plenty of tips if you had a good weekend, but you were paid nothing. And I got to see the economics of a restaurant up front and the cost of spoiled food, the cost of, you know, the cost that is uh, taken out of alcohol, the cost that is taken out of service, the cost to pay the rent in the restaurant and to pay for all of the government mandates uh, and all the inspections and so on and so forth. Restaurants have to foot the bill for all of that. The margins are thin. The margins are virtually nothing. Most restaurants go multiple years without profits when they start out. Very few restaurants actually succeed. The vast majority of them fail. So if you take New York restaurants and you crush, crush with a sledgehammer, you smash 60% of their business, 60% of their business, you eliminate, well, that was their profit margins. They're not going to stay in business. They're going to go out of business. You're going to have like the fanciest, fancy restaurants that have insane markups on their food. They serve you a little piece of steak that's the size of a quarter uh, and they cost $400 a plate. Well, those Michelin star restaurants, they'll survive because of the extreme markup on what they're doing. But your average New York restaurant, happy hour, Buffalo wings, beers, Irish pubs, those places cannot stay open. This is unsustainable. It's unsustainable. It is why the inflation is happening in every product, everywhere. Inflation has even, so painful, inflation has even hit the Dollar Tree. That's right. The Dollar Tree has now raised its prices to above $1. (laughs) It's very sad, and it's very scary, quite frankly. It says some very bad things about our economy. It says some very bad things about what is coming down the pike. But what it says most urgently is that the dollar isn't worth a dollar anymore. If the Dollar Tree has to raise its prices, that means that the dollar is no longer worth a dollar. Every widget that you make has to be pegged to something, and if the price of that widget goes up, well, then the price of the currency that it is needed to buy it goes up. The dollar store is now charging over $1. Reading to you from uh, Apple News uh, Business Insider. Dollar Tree embedded in its very name, what it stands for, behind these doors, everything can be had for just $1. Not anymore. Thank you, Joe Biden. The mantra to which Chesapeake, Virginia company, the Chesapeake, Virginia company has held true to for decades is now only mostly true. After expanding nationwide, 
from only a handful of stores in Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia, Dollar Tree is breaking the mold and will sell items in some locations that exceed the tantalizing $1 grab-and-go price. The cost of clothes, cars, food, and just about everything else has soared this year as the global economy emerges from the pandemic. Upper cut the Dollar Tree and has not been untouched. The Dollar Tree is having to charge more than a dollar. That is because of supply chain shortages, that is because of truck driver shortages, that is because of shipping shortages, that is because of shortages on absolutely everything, and free money. Free money. Remember, the way that Biden and modern-day liberals view the monetary system melt those printing presses to the ground. Print as much money as humanly possible, blow it into the system, shove it into the system, get that money into our system, give it to people for free, get them spending it without the realization that that action has a reaction. And that reaction to that action is going to be the crisis of the dollar. It's going to be Dollar Tree realizing that things aren't worth $8 anymore. It's worth $1.50, $2, $3, $4. My wife and I have a used car. We bought a used car back in five or six years ago. Back in uh, 2014, we bought a used Mazda, and we paid like $11,000 for it. And today, we can sell our used Mazda that we have put six more years of use into, and Lord knows how many more tens of thousands of miles on. We drive that car uh, like every single day. We drive it to death. That car is now worth more as a used vehicle today than we bought it for. That's right. You can go on and find the exact same Mazda online, used, and I can sell it for a profit right now. And we're going to. That is how scarce used cars are right now. That is the scarcity of used vehicles. And the amount of liquidity, the amount of frothiness of the dollar. People have more dollars to spend. They need vehicles. People need cars. You have to have a car to go to work, to get around. And you have extra money. So I will give you, I have more dollars. I will give you more dollars for this car. I need it. I need it. It's incredible. I'll be able to sell my car, my used car, that I got six years of use out of for a profit. But it doesn't say good things about our economy. It says very bad things about our economy. It says that the people running our economy are actual idiots because that shouldn't be the way that it works. I should sell it because I've used the car. I should sell it at a loss because the car has become less valuable. I've used it. It's a car. I've used it for six years. I've driven it into the ground. I shouldn't be able to sell it for a profit right now. It's an upside down economy and it's not going to end well. Children are not able to get food in schools. People are not able to get cars and the goods are sitting in the middle of the ocean, rotting. It's not great. And it shows a complete malfunction in the brain of the people who are running our country. That malfunction is now going to be ensconced into law as Joe Biden pushes forward with a reconciliation bill and an infrastructure bill that has buried inside of it a black poison pill that will kill the last semblances of a productive American economy 
we read to you from Fox News. Biden's vax mandate to be enforced by fining companies $70,000 to $700,000. President Joe Biden didn't just announce a COVID vaccine mandate on companies employing 100 or more. He plans to enforce it. Here we go. Speaker Nancy Pelosi's House quietly tucked away an enforcement mechanisms into their $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill passed out of the Budget Committee and sent to the House floor. Buried on page 168 of the House Democrats' 2,000-plus page mega bill is a tenfold increase in fines for employers that willfully and repeatedly or seriously violate a section of labor law that details the hazards, deaths, or serious harm to their employees. That includes COVID. The increase in fines on employers could run as high as $70,000 for serious infractions and $700,000 for willful or repeated violations, almost three-quarters of a million dollars for each fine. If enacted into law, VAX enforcement could bankrupt non-compliant companies even more quickly than the $14,000 OSHA fine anticipated under Biden's announcement mandate. The provision would change existing law relating to OSHA's enforcement fines and the very same section of the law that OSHA referenced in its June COVID-19 healthcare workers rule. The crippling change described on page 168 to the Democrats' bill isn't a typo or a critical or a clerical error. It was inserted by design, likely with the hopes that no one would notice as Democrats tried to ram this bill through Congress. If enacted, it would bankrupt a host of American companies that do not believe that they should have to comply with an administration's mandate on vaccines. This is unconstitutional. There is no way that any scholar or any jurist would be able to show where the federal government has the right to violate a private company's relationship with their private employee in the private sector and then violate their bodily autonomy. But really what's truly happening here more than anything is the breakdown. The breakdown in our republic. The breakdown in trust in our government and the breakdown in our body politic. Because you see, if you like your vaccine mandates, well, you can keep your vaccine mandates. The beautiful thing about a country like this and the size of this country is that the federal government was always supposed to be very regulated and curtailed in scope. So you were supposed to have states that were their own little incubators of democracy, is the the nomenclature. And so if you love vaccine mandates, you should move to New York or California where you'll have vaccine mandates up the wazoo. You'll have booster shots, you'll have daily pills, you'll be able to live inside of a COVID bubble forever. All of your restaurants will go out of business, but you'll be able to sit there and watch your governor on TV say that the vaccine is from God and that you're not a good Christian if you don't have it, right? If that's the world that you want to live in, then you can move to New York and you can go there freely. But you see, most people don't want to live like that. Most people think that's insane. And so they move to Florida where you don't have any of those things. In fact, those things are illegal. Vaccine mandates are illegal in this state. Mask mandates are illegal in this state. Emergency powers and authorizations by local municipalities are illegal in this state. And so people move to Florida. That's why they move to Florida. And millions are moving to Florida, myself included. One of the best moves, by the way, my family has ever made. Because we don't have to worry about this nonsense. And so live and let live. You sit back and you say, hey, you do your thing. It doesn't bother me what you do in California. You people are insane. You want to live inside of a third world failed state 
Fine. It's up to you. But I choose to live in Texas. I choose to live in Iowa. I choose to live in uh, a southern state. Florida is a southern state. I choose to live there and I choose to live free. So you guys can do you and we will do us and we will live different lives. And that's okay. We can use the dollar together and we can pray that our military defends us, even though that is, of course, (laughs) a very perilous proposition these days. So what you have there is a republic. A republic is a group of states that are republican in the sense that they are free. They are free to choose their own way and make their own federal, make their own state governments and govern in the way that they wish, and people are able to live freely in the way that they wish. Not anymore. These style of mandates and this style of spending is authoritarianism. That is exactly what it is. It is control over you, control over your life, control, federal control, superseding the states. The 10th Amendment of the Constitution says that the powers that are not directly given to the federal government, well, those powers will be then assumed by the states, and the states can do with them what they want. And so the federal government needs to be very, very careful on these grounds when it comes to usurping powers over the states. This was the argument uh, against Obamacare back in the day, that there was absolutely, there was nothing in the Constitution that's saying that the federal government can mandate your health care. Well, look where we've come to today. We warned about it during the Obamacare debate, and the Supreme Court decided wrongly, obviously with John Roberts towing the line for the left, uh, and now look at what this has opened up federal mandates over your very employment. Vax or eat. That is what the Biden administration says. The Republic has been utterly crushed by this. The Republic has ceased to exist in a situation where you cannot have your own states, you cannot have your own economies, you cannot have your own freedoms inside of the state and the place in which you choose to live. I, it was a lot of work, got my family up out of D.C. and we moved thousand miles down to Florida into a new house, into a new neighborhood. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of stress. We did it because we wished to live free. We decided to choose to vote with our feet. And now the federal government is saying not so fast. That principle that cost your family a lot of money and that cost your family a lot of energy where you moved in order to get a better life for your family. No. We as the federal government are God, and we will dictate over your state and will tell you how to live. Well, in that case, you're not living in a republic. You're living in an autocracy where the federal government is everything and your state is nothing. Your local government is nothing. There is no more federalism. There is no more republic. That is the dictates of power. It is the same type of authoritarianism that has crushed around the world all freedom movements. It is crushed currently in Freedom movements in Iran, China, all throughout the human histories of the last 100 years, this is the same authoritarianism that has led to the creation of Nazi and Weimar Germany and led to the creation of the Soviet Union. You have no personal liberties. You have no local liberties. The state is God and you are nothing. We are the masters and you are the slave. That is the push from the Obama I'm sorry, the <laughs> I say Obama. Everyone says Obama. Now, it's so clear that it's Obama. Susan Rice was seen walking out of Pelosi's office yesterday. Susan Rice is the one negotiating this bill on the Hill for Democrats. Susan Rice. 
if you want to know exactly how obvious it is that this is the third Obama, the third Obama term, the C-SPAN announcers look at Joe Biden and say that's Barack Obama during the congressional baseball game. Nancy Pelosi says that this is Barack Obama's agenda. The Build Back Better agenda is Obama's. She says that on the record. So this is a provision that will destroy small businesses. It will already lead to further boulders being thrown into the middle of the track that our economy is running on. It will lead to further sledgehammers smashing the face of our economy, and it will devastate our working class. And for what? For what? A vaccine mandate. And how well have vaccine mandates worked? Well, let's go ahead and read The Federalist. Vaccine mandates at Harvard have not worked out very well. Harvard moves business classes online despite 95% vaccination rate. Harvard Business School ramped up its COVID-19 security theater this week by moving all of its first and second year MBA classes online following a total of 121 cases among MBA students in July 1. This from The Federalist. In addition to completing coursework online, students at the Harvard Business School will also be required to get tested and uh, tested for COVID-19 three times a week. Harvard made the decision to move NBA classes online after what it labeled as a steady rise in breakthrough infections among its graduate students. Even though the school brags a 95% COVID-19 vaccination rate among students and a 96% COVID-19 vaccination rate among staff. Wow. So you're talking fully vaccinated, right? You're talking by definition, fully a fully vaccinated school at Harvard. And it is saying that it is having hundreds of breakthrough cases. Just this very hour, Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court, a Supreme Court justice, tested positive for COVID-19 in spite of being fully vaccinated. Same with the uh, uh, hosts on The View. Last week, on Friday of last week, one week ago, the hosts on The View were yanked offset because they tested positive for COVID in spite of being fully vaccinated. Now, they said they were false tests afterwards. Mm, Whatever. Sounds really weird. But nonetheless, there you are. There's your breakthrough cases. Chris Rock, Oscar De La Hoya, breakthrough cases, fully vaccinated, breakthrough cases. So vaccinated people are able to spread COVID. Vaccinated people are able to get COVID. Well, then what are the vaccine mandates about exactly? And why haven't we looked really into natural immunity? Why haven't we taken a moment and looked at some of the studies, like the studies out of Israel, showing that natural immunity is seven times more likely to stop you from getting COVID and from spreading COVID? These are legitimate peer-reviewed scientific studies. But no, no, just more dogma in the branch COVIDian church of COVID, the church of the vaccine from Joe Biden himself. Here's Joe Biden being asked this week uh, exactly what percentage of Americans need to be vaccinated for us to be safe. How many Americans need to be vaccinated for us to go back to normal? What is the percentage of total vaccinations that have to be deployed? Well, I think, look, I think we get the vast majority, like it's going on in some of the, some industries and some schools, 97, 98%. I think we're going awful close. And, uh, but I'm not the scientist, uh, uh, I think. But one thing for sure, a quarter of the country can't go unvaccinated. And that's not to have a problem. Well, 97 to 98% of Americans vaccinated, uh, that is approximately the vaccination rate of Harvard, which we just noted had to shut down classes 
because of so many breakthrough cases. So yeah, you're going to need to work on that one, Joe. Not exactly a great number. And maybe we should pivot. Maybe we should pivot and say, hey, the vaccine's out there. The vaccine works for those who are the most vulnerable. You need to make your own personal health decisions. Here is why the vaccine would be helpful for you if you are at risk, if you are elderly, and then you should make your own choices. Now let's all get back to work. But they can't do that. They can't do that because they lack the common sense and also because they wish to destroy, corrupt, and control the institutions which run this country. And indeed, COVID is a wonderful force multiplier for them to get that goal finished. Part of the institutions that are in complete crisis right now and being controlled by the left and uh, in a full-on assault from the left is our military. Obviously, you've all seen some of the brutal clips of our military leaders on Capitol Hill getting grilled by uh, human predator drones in the Senate like Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton, Uh, but they are not stopping their assault on our military members who choose to question the leadership of the military. They cannot allow for institutional questioning of the institutions from inside the institution. We covered earlier uh, Colonel Lieutenant Colonel Scheller in the Marines, who is now locked in the brig for questioning his superiors. And now we have another case, a hero Marine who saved a child in Afghanistan, a famous photo of an infant child being pulled up over the barbed wire by a hero Marine. His name was Hunter Clark. Well, now he's under investigation. Why is he under investigation? Well, because he spoke at a Trump rally. He was plain clothed. He was brought on stage and Donald Trump said, hey, why don't you say a few words? And he said this. And we're also honored to be joined by one of the Marines who bravely served in Kabul during the withdrawal and helped evacuate children over the airport and over the airport wall. You saw him. He did a great job, Lance Corporal Hunter Ian Clark. Lance Corporal, come up here. Thank you, man. Do you want to say something? Hey, my name's uh, Lance Corporal Hunter Clark. I'm here from uh, Warner Robins, Georgia. Uh, I am the guy that uh, pulled the baby over the wall, and it's definitely probably one of the greatest things I've ever done in my entire life. Uh, I just want to thank all the support from all y'all. It really means a lot, and uh, I'm glad to be home now today. Thank you. Now, there are rules in the Marines and in the armed forces against engaging in political activity. Um, I think that those are good rules, but let's apply them equally here. He wasn't engaging in political activity. Donald Trump is not running for office right now. This is not a explicitly political rally. And you often see armed, you often see uniformed military members marching in pride parades with BLM. You saw the FBI agents outside of the FBI kneeling for BLM in their FBI uniforms. They kneeled in the middle of the street. It was grotesque to see that in Washington, D.C. This is the same movement that burned down the White House, that burned down buildings at the White House and set St. John's Episcopal Church on fire, one of the most historic churches in the country. This is the same mob that terrorized downtown Washington, D.C., 
and has led to dozens of deaths across the country. Well, this mob is being knelt to. Agents can kneel and members of our federal government and members of our uniformed class uh, can kneel to them. But God help you if you speak at a Trump rally. Here is the uh, updates on that. The 24th Marine Expeditionary Unit, and I'm reading to you from Task and Purpose, a military magazine, uh, initiated a command investigation regarding Lieutenant Corporal Hunter Clark's attendance at an event this weekend to determine if any DOD policies were violated. Lieutenant Lance Corporal Hunter Clark was one of nearly 6,000 U.S. troops tasked with guarding the airport last month in Afghanistan, and he is famous for saving uh, a young child who was trying to escape. He is, uh, uh, Clark appeared on stage with Trump for just under a minute at the Save America rally in Perry, Georgia. Um, Clark introduced himself as the guy who pulled the baby over the wall, adding that it's one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. You heard that clip. Clark's command is looking as to whether he violated military's ban on active duty troops engaging in partisan political activity. Uh, the 4th Marine Expeditionary Unit has initiated a command investigation regarding Lieutenant Corporal Hunter Clark's attendance at the event last weekend to determine if any DOD policies were violated. Clark was not in uniform when he appeared with Trump, nor did he campaign for any political candidate or suggest that service members follow a political party. Well, the uh, rally was a political event. Trump ostensibly invited Clark on stage as part of a public show of support for U.S. troops. That's exactly what happened. Well, it is uh, uh, a dangerous time. I mean, it's a dangerous time. We've been saying it on the show. They're going to use institutional power. They have control of institutional power. Republicans have no control of institutional power, so they're going to use institutional power to crush dissent. They're going to use it to crush anyone who stands in their way, and they will not allow, they will not suffer institutional dissent for their decrees and their mandates. It's why they're going so hard after people who threaten them like these Marines, like Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, and like Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis stands uh, as the only real example of someone who's uh, 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 governing in a way that is free of the branch COVIDian uh, church of the vaccine, and uh, Ron DeSantis is doing an amazing job. He is a threat to the left because he shows exactly what good sound policy that is grounded inside of natural rights and grounded inside of the principles of this republic look like. And Florida is exploding in a good way. Florida has just come off of a COVID spike and it is now falling to the lowest rates, lowest COVID infection rates that we have seen since July. Uh, the COVID curve that they said would crush the state of Florida is now completely under control and it is declining precipitously. Meanwhile, the economy in Florida is booming, exploding. You have a new Silicon Valley being created in Miami, and you have people flooding into the state, inc yours, including yours truly here, who left a blue state and a lockdown state for the freedom of Florida. That is why the left is attacking Ron DeSantis. It is why you have ads being released by a group called Remove Ron. It's like a uh, left-wing, like a left-wing grass, grass tops group, right? It's not a grassroots group. It's a grass tops group, meaning that's probably some billionaire who doesn't like Ron DeSantis uh, funded this, some billionaire living inside of a uh, skyscraper in New York uh, 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 or inside of a, a poop-filled, uh, needle-filled street in San Francisco, funded this because they don't like the counter 
balance to their lockdown policies. They do not like that Ron DeSantis is standing in the way of them. Here's a little bit of that ad. Uh, tell me if this sounds like an attack ad on Ron DeSantis or if it sounds like Ron DeSantis' uh, uh, his own campaign ad. Listen to this. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of your cabin crew, we'd like to inform you that we have officially entered Florida airspace. Now that we're making our final descent, please watch this short message from Governor Ron DeSantis on COVID-19. Thereafter, everyone on board will be required to comply with the state's forever purge. We are not doing any vaccine passports in the state of Florida. We trust people to make their own decisions in this state. We are not going to be bludgeoning people with restrictions and mandates and lockdowns or any of that stuff. As Governor DeSantis stated, while you're within state lines, you do not have to wear a mask. You do not have to get a vaccine. It is against the law for private businesses or schools to mandate masks or vaccines. Oh, very scared. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> the entire internet is saying that they what they did was they just made the greatest Ron DeSantis uh, campaign ad in history. Uh, I reached out to a campaign to the Ron DeSantis uh, campaign. Said, "What's your response?" And a spokesperson sent me uh, this quote. I will read it to you in part. It's telling that a horror film soundtrack plays during clips of Governor DeSantis saying things like, "We trust people to make their own decisions in this state." We're not going to bludgeon people. The premise of this ad is that Floridians should be afraid of freedom and should beg for eternal COVID tyranny instead. It's absurd. Governor DeSantis's critics believe that politicians should violate citizens' rights and trample the Constitution. They venerate petty tyrants who impose lockdowns and mandates by executive fiat. They wish that Florida was a biomedical security state like communist China. Governor DeSantis has fought hard to keep Florida free and will keep fighting every day for Floridians' rights. Americans know that, and the propaganda isn't working. That's why hundreds of people move to Florida from lockdown states every single day. I am one of them, and I'm very, very happy to be living here. I got to tell you guys, I have spent the week uh, inside of a uh, small house on the beach and has been a beautiful week with my little daughter. Florida is a beautiful state. People here are happy. People here are free. And the principles of our movement, uh, our freedom movement, uh, live and are alive and well here in Florida. I encourage you, if you live in a blue lockdown state, to stay and fight. And if you wish to do that, then great. If you are completely over it and are sick and tired of it and are worried about your children's future, well, then go ahead and uh, move on down to Florida. I tell you what, the water's warm, guys. My name is Benny Johnson. This is The Benny Show. I thank you so much for listening. We've had a wonderful first couple of weeks on this podcast. We are so thankful for you as an audience. We are so thankful for you Uh, as listeners, and we are growing as a show. It is absolutely wonderful to see the amount of, uh, the amount of good that you can do when you just speak the truth. Thank you all so very much for listening. My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show.